0: What's up, sons and daughters? It is Sam Jesse, and welcome back to the Locks of Saturday, the final episode of the college football season. I am joined by the entire crew from the Locks of Saturday, Chris, Brett, Robert, Mike, and Ed. Mike, glad you have power back, buddy. And Oh
1: my God, you and me both.
2: Jesus.
0: <laughs> hope everyone in Northern Virginia area, Southern Maryland, all those people are staying safe with the winter weather that is uh, kind of coming through here last week and the next couple weeks. But some big football games, guys, national title weekend in college football, the FCS and the FBS national title games. We will cover both of those. But before that, let's look back at the year so far. Now, before I update you guys with the standings, I will say we did decide to throw out the uh, bowl games because, well, quite frankly, it was like picking preseason football. It was all COVID restrictions and random guys not playing and it was just a hot mess we didn't have picks from everybody it was just a mess we just threw that out but it was a fun time um, and I think a lot of Hokie fans will be perfectly fine with us completely forgetting that this bowl season happened this year so but if you remember second and third podcasts of the season we did or excuse me first and second podcast of the season we did ACC win totals for every ACC team I'm going to run through those really quick Let's start in the coastal with Duke three and a half. They went under Georgia tech at five wins. They went under Miami nine and a half wins. They went under, uh, Chris, are you catching a, uh, are you catching a drift with these?
3: Just keep on rolling the unders. because keep on rolling. That, okay. I can keep that, going. That, that is the ACC
0: uh, North Carolina, nine and a half, uh, under Pittsburgh. The- yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a pretty easy one to call, uh, Pittsburgh. Seven over. Great season for the Pitt Panthers. They were by far the best team in the ACC this year. UVA, six wins. They pushed at six and six. Virginia Tech, seven and a half under. Boston College now going to the Atlantic. let's,
3: Let's interject right there. That was actually an amazing push because let's go back to Virginia's record, I think going into the month of November. Four and two.
4: They were six and
3: two and finished six and six. Six and two. And incredible. Six and six. Incredible push. So let, let, let's just all pay homage to how awful of an ending of the season. Obviously, culminating in Bronco Mendenhall having a complete mental collapse and leaving the program. But I digress. And it started, yeah.
0: that collapse started with Brennan Armstrong's injury that he got at BYU, Bronco Mendenhall's former school. Lose that incredible shootout to BYU, come back, get waxed by Notre Dame. Get waxed by Pittsburgh, and then you lose to Virginia Tech as well. Not a great end to the season for
4: UVA. Uh, Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were a UVA over better. Like, that's like the biggest long term bad beat of all time. Like, you're six and two, you're feeling great. You lose three in a row, you're six and five going into a game that they should win against Virginia Tech, and then they throw the ball to a lineman. Talk about a bad beat.
0: Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, and Virginia Tech, not much better. I mean, you're looking at a team that lost a lot of close games there. I mean, if, if Virginia Tech has a decent goal line offense, they're at eight wins pretty easily. So that's a tough one there for Hokies over betters as well. Boston College, under seven wins. A uh, Phil Jerkovic injury had a lot to do with that. But at the point, end of the day... It was a
5: disappointing season for them.
0: Yeah, tough season for them. I, I don't think that they were as good of a team as they as we probably thought they would be overall. Um, just didn't perform very well throughout the season. Clemson eleven and a half. and You always bet that under they went under nine and three regular season for the Tigers Florida State at five. They pushed that one Louisville six and a half under that one. A few of us, Chris, I think you and I both said over for Louisville. We thought they could randomly get eight, nine wins this season just by dumb luck did not happen for the Cardinals. Our personal favorite on the podcast, NC State Football, the easiest bet this year. If you listen to us, you made a whole lot of money on NC State this year. Over six and a half wins. Ed, I'm sorry you do not get to celebrate that one. You did not take over for NC State. Any thoughts on that, Ed?
6: No, no thoughts. They still stink.
0: The Nine. ACC just
5: all
6: stinks. Somebody had to win, and they they were the beneficiary of a lot of stinkage gonna, for the rest of the I'm league. I'm going
5: to interject about Clemson real quick going you know, 11 and a half. Clemson's dead. Clemson's dead. Clemson might be dead. Early, but early, but you have to give them some props how they turned it around the last probably half of the season. The first half of the season, people thought they might only win six games. They well, when out. you have
6: a roster full of talent like that and you play – schedule that nobody can hit the over on their win total you better be the one team that can get the hit at least a decent number i mean they were never going to hit their 11 but brutal season they went 10 and 3 my
1: fave my personal favorite under was duke uh i bet that at my under three and a half and they started september three and one and then didn't win other games
3: so it's gonna mention that as the second favorite that was my second favorite under because of oh, similar okay. to UVA, just beautiful. Every, every weekend afterwards was just they one out in the They lost eight straight. The bet caches, baby. I forgot. Yes. But
1: I mean,
0: they weren't. They didn't lose close games. They were blown out pretty yeah. much every single ACC game that they played. That, that's that's a really bad team. I saw them play UVA in person and obviously watched the Tech game pretty closely, and that was that was a really bad Power Five football team. Um a surprising team, Syracuse. Over three and a half wins. Maybe not a great team, but definitely had some guys Keith, that surprised. Sean Tucker, Keith, especially.
3: Keep Dino Babers in Syracuse so I can continue to bet against him. So thank you, Dino, for putting it together. <laughs> One more. Get that max extension. Just keep it rolling. And I'll give
4: him uh, credit, though, because oh, I feel yeah. like... All, did all six of us go under on that? Can you confirm that?
0: Let, sure let me... Let me pull Because that we up. were
4: literally
3: laughing on the. Can Tommy DeVito
5: transfer back in run. and then out and then back into Syracuse? I cool. said I said one win and Babers was fired after game like seven.
4: Yeah, we were we were guessing one or two wins and they yeah. darn near made a bowl game. So I, for I'm
0: pulling it up right now. And yes, all of us were under on Syracuse. Yeah, love that. Well, and I think one thing with Syracuse is no one expected Sean Tucker to be that good.
5: And the and quarterback he, played pretty good.
0: Well, yeah, and you know, against Virginia Tech, he, he had his moment, but uh, that's that's a we don't need to bring that up again. And uh, finally, Wake Forest over six and a half wins. Dave Clawson just phenomenal coaching job again. Um, they probably hit their ceiling this year, but congrats to them on a phenomenal season. Uh, they'll be good again next year. Same Hartman will come back. A lot of their uh, top weapons will come back, so they should be good again next season. So how that all wraps up. The top win total better for the ACC. Brett, congratulations. Everybody clap it up for Brett. He went eight and six betting the win totals. Very good for this year. Very good. Uh, the rest of us, not so great. Chris, you came in at 500, seven and seven. Ed, five and nine. Robert, five and nine. Uh, excuse me, Mike, you also went seven and seven. Congratulations. Yours truly. And this has made it interesting. I went three and 11. That on
5: ACC brutal. win totals. Brutal. You must have thought the ACC was better than that.
0: I did. I, I kind of got caught. Well, I got caught with the... Um, I, I basically flipped everybody, obviously. Um, I did all my notes. I had my magazines. All of it. And... Uh,
5: the ACC just... That's ACC football for you. It's a Emmaus.
0: Yeah. So where that has us now. Tied for first place now is yours truly and Robert at 47 and 43 in second place is Brett 45 and 39 tied with Mike 45 and 45. We'll get to Brett's a little later. Brett has six picks that he needs to make some auxiliary picks that he needs to make a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, Chris, you're at 37 and 53 Ed at 35 and 55. So a few of us. Make money, some hey, some last chance. I
3: am the I am. I not did notice, the champion of this league.
6: I did notice I picked significantly more games than a couple members here. I believe Mike McDaniel is about twenty games less than my number. So if Mike went zero for twenty, I might have had a chance there.
1: All I needed to do was not get a single bet right in twenty picks.
6: I've done it before. So, oh, trust me, I did it all year. So. <laughs>
0: I I think one thing that we learned about this, we went over like last season, like, hey, what'd you learn betting last season? I think what we learned this season is the ACC, does it have top tier talent? No, not at all. But any year, any of these teams can come out of nowhere and win and have a really good season. And it's just, you know, Syracuse out of nowhere is a decent football team. Wake Forest out of nowhere is a top 10 team. Pittsburgh out of nowhere looks really freaking good. It can happen any year in the ACC, and it's something to look forward to next year because I guarantee you most ACC teams' win total next year will be between seven and nine games. Six, seven, eight, nine games,
5: With all especially the, the ACC Coastal. You think so?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you'll have about – I think
5: – I think Louisville wins like three games next year. but That's about it.
0: It could be tough, but I'm thinking Miami –
5: Satterfield's toast.
0: Miami, UNC, Pittsburgh will probably all be 7.5 to 8.5. Virginia Tech and UVA will probably be six between 6 and 7.
5: I can't wait to see UNC at 9.5 again and hammer that under. Hammer the under. That (laughs) made me some money.
0: That'll be great. That'll be so much fun to do. All right. So let's get into the first game of the weekend. It is the FCS National Championship, unfortunately located in Frisco, Texas, but that's a whole other conversation. This game will be on Saturday at noon on ESPN. The over-under is pretty low at 42. Robert, we'll start it off with you. We have the Bobcats of Montana State and the
4: Bison of North Dakota State. You know, uh, I am a graduate of Radford High School, and uh, the Radford High School mascot is the Bobcat, much like Montana State. So... I am a Bobcat by nature, you could say. However, I'll be honest here. I don't follow FCS football that closely. When I first uh, saw that we were picking this game, I thought that we were picking North Dakota State versus Montana, not Montana State. And uh, and Sam also just pointed out in the chat that my name is Robert, a.k.a. Bob, so I could be a Robert cat if you'd like. Uh Honestly, I'd never thought of that. So good for you anyway. But I thought we were picking Montana versus North Dakota state. And I was fully prepared to pick Montana because go Grizz. Uh, But I'm not, it's Montana state. And I'm going to just go with the dynasty here, North Dakota state. Are they the greatest sports dynasty of the 2010s? Many are wondering, I think you could make that case. Granted, we are in the 2020s now. I still think North Dakota State, it's a safe bet. So, roll Bison.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I think you can make that argument. What they've done has been pretty unprecedented in college sports. Like, it's just the level of dominance at that level of play really has never been touched. I mean, I don't even know how many national title games they've made in a row. They've
3: won eight of the last ten
0: I mean, that's up there with UConn women's basketball, UCLA in the 70s. I don't think even UCLA hit those kind
5: of numbers, though. Um, Yeah, 8 of 10 women's basketball is the only one I can think of.
0: And I don't even know if they hit that 8 of 10. That's just stupid absurd. Um, So it would make me seem really dumb to pick against that. Well, I haven't been that impressed the times that I've seen them play. Offensively, they're really a dud. They don't have really much in the way of playmakers and they're, they've traditionally a running football team, but they don't seem you know great at that level. I think what's made the running team good is they've had good quarterbacks that have scared you with passing. IE Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. They don't have that right now. Um, they're really just a running team. Uh, obviously Quincy Patterson, former Virginia tech quarterback. He comes in as kind of a bowling ball um, quarterback run they haven't had that much success using him as of late he, so we'll get to that a little bit later but i montana state seems like a team of destiny they lost their quarterback in a a former uh nc state transfer let me grab my sheet to get his name uh yeah former nc state transfer matthew mckay played really well and then got hurt and they bring in bring in tommy mellet tommy mellet Local, of uh, from Butte, Montana, running quarterback. He's been running all over the field, and it's actually been kind of impressive how well he's done in these FCS playoffs. Uh, he's had 110 rushing attempts for 705 yards in three games. Uh, he's a workhorse quarterback running the ball. He's an X-factor. I like it. I think they have a little bit of magic to him. I'm going to go Montana State. This line has actually moved up between 7.5 and, and 8 in some places as well. Uh, so you could probably get a really good value with this. I'm gonna go Bobcats, Montana State. In the I'm gonna go outright upset in this one. So I'm definitely taking the seven points.
5: What did the buffalo say to his son when he went to when he dropped him off at school? Bison, yeah, that's right. We're going with the bison or the bison. However, I don't know. Apparently, you don't pronounce the S from out there too much. It's bison,
0: they pronounce it bison,
5: yeah, bison. Yeah, Yeah. it's like. it's not the sun is not emphasized. It's Bison. Well, anyway, I'm going North Dakota State. Just pure just dominance, and they're going to keep going. Are they going FBS next year? Did they get picked up or no? No. Wow. Uh, they're chilling. They got their dynasty
4: rolling. They wouldn't move for anything.
5: Yeah, I guess that's true. But uh, yeah, I'm going North Dakota State here.
1: I'm on Montana State. I just think they're I think they're too good to lose this game by more than a touchdown. Like, if they're going to lose, I think it's going to be inside seven. Um, in North Dakota State, you know, we talk about the dynasty and how good they've been, and they've traditionally been able to just, like, run through opponents. And this Montana State team is just built a little bit differently. Montana State's coach the a former North Dakota State assistant. I don't know how much that matters, but at least has some familiarity with the inner workings, what they're going to try to do offensively. And I just feel like Montana State has found a little something offensively with Tommy Mellett, a quarterback, uh, since Matthew McKay got hurt. Um, And and I just, they're a decent team, you know? They're a decent team that North Dakota State's playing in the championship. Usually North Dakota State gets in a championship game, and, uh, you know, you feel pretty good about them just rolling the opponent. I just don't feel that way here.
3: I'm with Brett. I'm going to go if there's one team that's not going to get lost in the bright lights of Frisco, Texas and the environment that's there, it, it it's it's North Dakota State. Let's be honest folks. Um you mentioned the 8 out of 10. Uh 6 of those games they've been decided by well more than a touchdown. Uh North Dakota State is just they've been there too many times before. They know how to get uh the I guess the job done in this moment. Um Montana State, you know, this is the they're, this is like a Cinderella type season for them. They never do this, um, so I'm just going to go with a more experienced team. So go ahead and give me the Bison. I'm going to go with
6: Montana State here. Um, I'm, I like Mike's reasoning. Um, they're a pretty good team, and I think if they lose, which you know they still very well could, it'll be inside seven or seven and a half or whatever the line is at the time of the kickoff. Um, And I'm also going to go with Montana state because I'm in the middle of Yellowstone and it's an awesome show. And I'm going to roll with Montana and Montana state just for that reason only. So there's some in-depth analysis for you people. That's probably why I'm in dead last.
0: (laughs) Doing some quick Googling. It does seem that they have seen wild bison in North Dakota. Um, They are native to there, of course, before the expansionary uh, settlers decided that they wanted to wipe them out. But yeah, making a comeback and they are in the Dakota's now. Sons of History. Yeah, I mean, it's just exciting. Exciting stuff. We should
3: just turn this into a Northern Plains um, um just history podcast. God, I wish. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, we can Chris. just watch Dances with Wolves together. Oh, It'll be great. Yes.
0: We'll take this <laughs> offline, Chris.
3: There you go.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um some special picks for this game, Brett, because you do need to catch up a little bit. You have to pick some prop bets for this game. I did not tell you the prop bets for this game, but I am going to give you some stats to help you out. So you have three of them for this game, three of the six picks that you need to uh, pick up. So pick number one, we talked about Quincy Patterson, former Virginia tech quarterback, obviously a phenomenal athlete, big guy can, can do some things for you at the quarterback position. Quincy Patterson over under 34 and a half rushing yards. Now, Seems like an easy over. Let's look at his FCS playoff numbers in the FCS playoffs. These are three games. He has had 17 attempts for 126 yards. Uh, that averages out to 5.66 carries per game and 42 yards per game. So over under 34 and a half rushing yards.
5: Uh, I'm going to go over because it seems like they've been bringing him in on the on package, especially, I guess, obviously running the ball. When he transferred to North Dakota State, we thought he was going to become, you know, they're going to let him sling the ball. They did a little bit, but then they realized he still really can't throw the ball. So he, so they're letting him come in and some packages and run the ball. I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to be able to get it done. I'm feeling like, I'm feeling he might bust one open. I'm feeling it.
0: There's always that possibility. All right. Second prop bet for you. Tommy Mellett, the local kid from Butte, Montana, playing really well right now out of his mind over under. 249 and a half total yards for the quarterback. Uh, Let's go over some of his rushing stats in the FCS playoffs. He has ran the ball, as I said, 74 times. Um, Depending on the stats, you look at 411 yards in the FCS playoffs. Uh, That goes for 24.66 carries a game astronomical number for 137 yards. Passing the ball, he's been okay, not great. Not really a huge passing offense, but he does have 46 attempts for 449 yards. So Tommy Mellett over under 249 and a half total yards.
5: That's a tough one because NDSU's defense is what's won them pretty much every game this year. Like you said, their offense has been a dud. Uh, as Montana State faced a defense like them this year, I don't know. Um
0: closest but, they face uh, is Wyoming.
5: Yeah. I mean, I bet overall I really still don't know who they've played. To be honest, 249 and a half seems like a relatively low number, especially for total yards in general. Um, but he's been like you said, lighting it up, so shoot the playoff. Uh, I'm going to go with over, and that's going to be their whole offense.
0: All right. So that brings me to the final question. The game total for this is 42. at over under 42 total points scored. In the FCS national title game.
5: Well, you would be stupid to go, not go over because these guys are used to playing like horrible conditions. Well, NDSU plays inside, but still they're used to playing just absolutely terrible conditions. They're going to nice sunny Frisco, Texas, where they're going to, you know, going to be able to play in pristine turf or pristine artificial turf and, you know, just absolutely light it up. So I think it's going to be over. I think you'd be dumb to not take the over in this game. As soon as I saw 42 and I opened up the dock, I was like, geez, that's pretty low. Uh, but for a national championship game, I mean, yeah, LSU-Alabama was at 2011. was like 9-6 to six or whatever. That doesn't happen anymore, and I don't think it happens in FCS either, so I'm going over.
0: All right, we will circle back to you, Brett, at the end of the podcast. Right now, let's go to some big boy football, and let's go to Georgia-Alabama part two. They are playing for the college football playoff national championship game, which will be in Indianapolis this year. It will be on Monday night on ESPN at 8 o'clock. The over-under is set at 52. Uh, Robert, start us off for this one. Georgia, Bama, part two. Georgia, three-point favorites. And I'll ask you this question to start. Are you a little surprised that Georgia's favored by three after what we saw in Atlanta? I think I'm
4: surprised... Well, I I understand the logic of it because I think on paper, Georgia is a better football team from top to bottom. I think you could say that. However, you could have also said that before the SEC championship game, and that ended uh, quite poorly for Georgia. And so I I guess I am surprised because I just feel like Alabama kind of has this stranglehold on um, Georgia and just what they're able to do, like it doesn't matter how good the two teams are, um, until something changes, Alabama's going to win the game, and so that's that's kind of where I'm going with this pick. Especially if you're giving Alabama three points, um, I think the logic points you directly to Alabama here to just do what they have continued to do. Um, as long as Saban and Smart have been facing off, it's just Nick Saban is just this one obstacle that. Kirby Smart just can't seem to get past. It doesn't matter what the situations are. It doesn't matter if Alabama is throwing out a true freshman quarterback in the second half of the national championship game when, when they're down three touchdowns. Like They're going to find a way to win anyway. Um, and so I think, breaking it down more schematically, I think that defensively, Alabama's strengths and Georgia's strengths are the same and their weaknesses are the same. Both defenses are great up front, but they struggle in the secondary. Obviously, Georgia's defense is probably a little bit better in both regards, especially up front. Um, But then offensively, I think that Alabama's strengths play into Georgia's defensive weaknesses, whereas Georgia's offensive strengths play into Alabama's offensive strengths. Georgia runs the ball. Alabama passes the ball. You have two weak secondaries, two strong front sevens. Therefore, that leads me to believe that the team that can pass the ball, which is Alabama, will win the game. They'll take control. They'll score points. Um, Bryce Young, he's going to attack the secondary. It's tough not having Mechie, um, but I think other Alabama receivers proved last week that they're at least capable. Um, And I think what Bryce Young really does well is he's very mobile in the pocket. And as Georgia gets that pass rush going, um, Bryce's mobility to just evade pressure and keep plays alive um, is very important. As, you know, Jamison Williams streaks down the field, Bryce can move out of the pocket and hit him with a deep ball. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that. And I think it's just going to be a pretty much a repeat performance of what we saw in the SEC championship. So I am picking Alabama and I'm going to go ahead and lock it in. Like that.
0: You know, I, this is, I agree with you a lot of the numbers if you look at some analytical projections for this game it they have Alabama winning this game by about 4 to 5 points but the thing that I can switch that right is one play one turnover one special teams play it takes those analytical models and throws them out right because the way those are made is they don't expect those unlikely things to happen and if i had to pick a defense in the country to make something unlikely like that happen It would be this Georgia defense. The speed and athleticism on all 11 positions is really unparalleled from what we've seen in college football in a very long time. We've talked about that all this year, you know, on this podcast about how, you know, Georgia's defense is something really special. We also forget they were up 10 0 against Alabama to start that SEC title game. And it just seems like, you know, we talked about it last week when we were talking about picking the semifinal games. We felt confident in Georgia because we felt like it was just a fluke what happened against Alabama where the wheels just came off there in the second half. I'm going to take Georgia in this game because I think they will have an ability to make that one play somewhere along the line that'll make the difference. And also Alabama's offense, yes, they can throw the ball, but they're down their top two wide receivers. And they only scored 27 against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a good defense, but they're certainly not Georgia. And really the reason they scored 27 was because of their running back. Uh, Robinson Jr. was phenomenal for Alabama, but I think if Georgia can kind of contain that Alabama running game just a little bit, I think they can pull what they're favored by three. But let's be honest, it would be an upset if Georgia wins this football game. I'm going to go dogs. I'm going to go changing of the guard a little bit here. I think they get it done. It's really hard to beat a team twice. I mean, it's really, really hard to do that. I'm going to go Georgia. It's just a gut feeling. The way that they looked against Michigan was one of the more dominant performances we've seen in the college football playoff, and we've seen a whole lot of them.
5: So, we're talking about Jamison Williams. It's just blows my mind that he was at Ohio State. Could you imagine if he was still there between him, Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Chris Olave, and uh, what's the other guy? I'm missing one. Will Dawson. Well, Garrett Wilson. yeah. Garrett Wilson. Can you imagine Marvin Harrison
4: Jr. being your fifth best receiver? Yeah.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Aren't they just all contractually required to just shift players amongst those same three teams? Don't they just kind of, hey, you can have them, you can have them? It's like a shuffling of the deck every time between Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama.
0: I believe the word you're looking for is oligarchy, Chris.
3: This is
5: true. (laughs) That's just insane. Anyway, um, if I'm Georgia, you, you just can't let any electric plays happen. Um, that's what killed them and that's the SC championship. They were getting beat over the top again and again and again, even though they have some of the best defensive backs and safeties. And I mean, the whole defense in the country, but they just were getting torched obviously without John Mechie, Alabama, that's a big loss for them. Um, and he was the big reason why Jameson Williams honestly probably was open as much as he was, was because you know, they keyed it on Mechie the whole time. Um, I think really the only way George going to win, be able to win this game is they're gonna have to limit explosive plays and I just don't think they're going to be able to do that just because they're going to have to take some risks to be able to turn the ball over and whatnot because Nick Saban, he's not going to make too many mistakes, so they're going to have to take some risks, and I think based on what I saw in the SC Championship, I think Alabama's going to torch them again on some big plays to Jameson Williams and and others. Um, It seems like they figured out the running game against Cincinnati, like Sam said. They're not nearly as good as uh, Georgia's defense defense. you know, the thing about Georgia's defensive line is, yes, it's the best in the country, but they swap guys, you know, very consistently. Jordan Davis plays like six plays and it comes out. You know, they're swapping guys consistently. And to me, it just feels like they never can sometimes get into rhythm. You know, they start really hammering down on teams. And I think that's what happened in the S championship game. I think they just couldn't get into rhythm on defense. Um, if I'm Georgia with Jamison Williams, I am just absolutely just pressing Jamison Williams and having a safety at their top. You're going to tell, okay, I'm going to let – Every other player on this team beat me. I'm not going to let the same thing happen again. Um, if they do that, I think they have a really good chance to win, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get it done. I think this is – I don't know. I just, my gut feeling is Alabama again. It's hard to – I've bet against Nick Saban like four times this year and I've lost every time, so I'm not going to do it again. Um, one thing I will say is, though, I would bet Georgia it's plus it's – plus, it's pretty much a pick 'em plus point and a half – I mean, sorry, plus – a half a point to Alabama or sorry, I would bet Georgia for the first half, just like pretty, I would bet Georgia the first half. Um, the, I back see them being up a field goal, a touchdown, and then Alabama was just going to turn on the second half because there's nobody better in the game than Nick Saban making adjustments. So thanks for coming to my Ted talk about Alabama.
1: I keep losing Alabama bets as well. I bet, <laughs> I bet Georgia in the sec championship game lost, So I look at this rematch. There have been 22 occurrences since the 1944 Orange Bowl, where a regular season game has had a rematch in a bowl game. And the team that has lost in the regular season is 15 and seven in the bowl game. That's Georgia. That is Georgia. Now, Again, in those 22 occurrences, how many of those included Nick Saban? Only a couple, right? So I look at this and I think, so my gut feeling is that Jordan's going to pull this off because conventional wisdom will tell you, all right, and and take that stat I just threw out there aside, conventional wisdom would tell you that Nick Saban gets it done in the national championship. He just does. The only guy who has shown an ability to beat him consistently in championship-type games or playoff-type games is Dabo, right? Kirby hasn't gotten it done. He's been close. He hasn't gotten it done. Um, my gut feeling is Georgia pulls this off. I think that they are going to have a better time getting home to Bryce Young in this football game. In my opinion, the reason why the SEC championship game went Alabama's way... And kind of went their way so convincingly is that Georgia's defensive line, which, and their front seven, which is, you know, the best in college football, couldn't get home. Right. And this is an Alabama offense line that has not been outstanding all year. They've been fine, but they haven't been, they hadn't been great going into the game. I mean, we saw what happened in the Auburn game, the Iron Bowl, right? Like gamma couldn't block Auburn. So when we came on this podcast and we were talking about, okay, what's going to happen in the SEC championship game, the thing that I kept coming back to was that Bama couldn't block Auburn. How are they going to block Georgia? Well, Bama figured it out because Nick Saban's their head coach. I just have a feeling that Georgia's going to have a better time getting home to Bryce Young. Um, Irby, you brought up the point about Bryce Young evading pressure. Again, that is going to be the story of the football game. Can Georgia get home? right? Because that was a story of the SEC championship game. It's going to be a story here. Can they get home to Bryce Young? If Bryce Young gets outside the pocket, starts making plays with his legs, um, he's able to extend plays. Bama's receivers are too talented. Georgia is going to have trouble in coverage if Young extends plays and the receivers are running around the secondary forever. You know, that's Bama's path again. That was their path the first time. That's going to be their path again in this football game. I just have a feeling that Georgia's defense is going to play a bit better than they did in the SEC championship game. So
5: I'm going to take Georgia. I'll chime back in real quick before Chris. Sorry. Uh, Mike, we were talking about defensive line. That's the point I was making. You know, it seemed like they just weren't getting in a rhythm with their defensive line at all. Now, not at all. Could be. Not and at I, all. Know, that's one thing that I just had noticed immediately when I was watching that game. You know, Jordan Davis was coming out every six plays, they were swapping ends every play. You know, they just couldn't figure it out. It was so, clear um, early. Yeah. And so if they can figure it out, I think, you know, I think they have a legitimate shot at this game to win this game. I agree.
3: Can we just start and just pay tribute to the fact that already right off the bat, before a snap, the biggest loser in this game is the Big Ten. In fact, the two SEC teams are essentially playing a national championship in the heart of Big Ten country. Can we just acknowledge that, that this this game is taking place in in, in Indianapolis?
0: And in a year where they had two, at one point, three national title
4: contenders. Or if you count Iowa. (laughs) count Iowa, they could add four. Dear God, oh, just
3: a bunch of Alabama and Georgia fans leaving bad Yelp reviews at a bunch of restaurants, you know, just single-handedly lowering the, the, the environments. I, I would just, I would just
1: reminded everybody that if you can't complete a forward pass more than like three or four times a game, you're probably not going to win more than eight or nine games a year. Right. I also
0: don't, happen. I also don't see St. Elmo's steakhouse as the cuisine choice of many Bama and Georgia fans.
3: This
4: is probably true. true. Isn't that a functional well,
3: considering the cuisine and options in in, in Tuscaloosa? My, my guess is their their tastes are a little bit more flavored towards like your general like Applebee's somewhere of the TGI Fridays ass kind of thing. they they'll probably be looking for blooming onions somewhere in the uh, the greater Indianapolis area. But anyways, on to the game. Uh everything that everybody has said is true in terms of the balance between the two teams and kind of where we're at right now um with this matchup. And so for me, I, I, I've i been harping on it all season long. Georgia, we still have to evaluate them as one of the top 10 special defenses of all time, considering everything they've even been, been able to accomplish. And in light of that Alabama game, it still doesn't take him out of that context. It's just it's just one bad game. Um, and even then, it, it took a Herculean effort and some pretty big plays uh, by Bryce Young. It essentially got him the Heisman Trophy um, with that performance um, against Alabama. So I'm assuming against Georgia, uh, but nonetheless, Georgia, if they lost this game would be of those top 10 defenses, the one that did not achieve a national championship. So they would be the outlier. Um, so that's no easy fee because you're going against Nick Saban, but still the trend is, is if you are within the range of being one of these top special defenses of all time, Right now, given that Georgia was 13 and one, and the only other team to ever lose a game that went on to win a national championship was Alabama in 2011 against um, LSU. They had that loss, Um, they were 12 and one. The total record of those top 10 teams, and this is including Georgia, is 123 and two. You know, so that's that's a pretty good trend. If you have a special defense, you probably know that during the course of the season and you march your way along to a national championship title. Um, and that's kind of ultimately where I led to putting myself in the, the mindset of where they were in the SEC championship game. you think Kirby Smart didn't think he was going to get back to the national title, like regardless? I mean, other than having a possible matchup against Alabama in the beginning part of the round, um, I really felt like their game plan was pretty vanilla in the SEC championship game. Um, they were going to try to basically not do anything complex uh, they probably didn't want to show a lot of their hands um, more so uh, because they hadn't done that pretty much all season because they've just been able to kind of beat their opponent outright with just based off of who they have in personnel. Um, but my guess is, is ever since they knew that they were probably going to be in this game um, because they didn't do anything special to beat Michigan. They just beat them. Um, so they probably been preparing for this matchup for the last month. I know the joke. I think it was Kirby smart. I think after their game, said that uh, Nick Saban because they just played their earlier game, they had like a six-hour head start on preparing for the national championship game. I think Kirby's been preparing for this game for the last month because um, he knew where he was going to be, um, and that's ultimately where I'm lying with this one. I'm going to stick with Georgia just because I've been on them uh, all season and every single against the spread pick, including them this year, including the SEC championship game, um, because they just are such a special defense um, and. I think a lot of it plays into the vanilla matchup and the trend with them just being uh, amongst the top 10 of all time. And uh, you're right. I don't think it's that easy. I mean, Mike hit the nail on the head. I think it's really, really hard to win against that type of team twice. And when that second matchup against that same team is also a top 10 defense of all time, um, it's less than likely to happen. So give me the Bulldogs, especially since it's a field goal, you're basically picking a straight up win here. So. Um, for me, it was pretty easy. And I know that's tough because you're going against Nick Saban, but, um, I don't think if anybody correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Saban has pulled off back-to-back titles. Has he? No, well, I believe
4: he's Didn't been an he do another in... year guy. Did he not do it in 2011 and 2012?
3: Might I have don't... done it then. Yeah. We'll have to go back into the well there. Let me uh, go ahead and look it up here. But
0: I mean, if you look at the last few, like he won last year, beat Ohio state, um, Before that, wasn't even in the title game. Before that, got waxed by Clemson. So, I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that national title game, Alabama wins it.
3: And, Irvi, you're right. It was 11-12.
6: and Yeah, I'll close it out for this one, but uh, I refuse to bet against Nick Saban. I've done it before, and I just, like, halfway through the game, I'm like, God, you idiot, what are you doing? I feel Um, better already. Thanks, Ed. I'm not betting against Nick Saban. I'm not betting against Nick Saban with a Heisman Trophy quarterback. I'm not betting on Kirby Smart against Nick Saban. And, you know, as much as the Mechie injury is a huge bummer, both for the player and for the team, I mean, I watched him single-handedly beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Like That dude's a stud. Um, they have uh, quite the receiver room as well, as they always do. Um, to Corey Brooks is a freshman. I think he'll come in and do just fine, just like he did against Cincinnati. He had a nice little game against Cincinnati. So I think they'll step up. Um, on the outside, the receivers torched Georgia the first time. Georgia's defense is very, very good. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they, you know, stood on their head and just played an amazing game and won it by themselves. But because Stetson Bennett sure is heck not going to do that. But I'm not betting against Nick Saban and Alabama. So
3: roll tied.
0: I think it'll be a phenomenal game either way. Um, You know, we talk about so much college football expansion. Do bowl games matter? Is there too much money in the SEC? Like, that's an off-season question. That's an off-season podcast. We might even have that podcast, but I'll tell you what, they definitely do have the two best teams in the country playing in this game. So let's talk a little bit more about this game. The game total for this game, as we said, was 52. Over under that 52 mark. It is an interesting interesting number because these are two of the best defenses in the entire country yet we're seeing a game total of 52 um so kind of an interesting one robert you start us off with this one
4: over under 52 points in the natty title game i'll say this if the over hits alabama won the game and i i think that that's uh i i I don't know i just don't see the over hitting here especially with it being a slightly higher number of 52 uh and Georgia finding a way to win that game. That said, I'm going to go ahead and pick the over uh, because I do think Alabama's going to win the game. I think that they're going to score, you know, quite a few points. I see them scoring upwards of five, maybe six touchdowns. Um, yeah, and I mean, especially Georgia, what they do best is run the ball, and if they're down, they're not going to be able to do that. So they're going to have to pass the ball a lot, which is just going to give Alabama more time to run up the score. Um, Yeah, so I'm picking Alabama to win the game. I'm picking them to go over. And though this does not make me happy to pick Alabama, in fact, uh, it just upsets me to my core because I just hate watching Alabama win every year. I'm going to quote my future brother-in-law, Kyle Hardy. I'm going to say, happiness is temporary but being right is forever.
0: That's maybe not the smartest one for don't, don't say that to to Mrs. Irby. I'll tell you that.
4: Oh yeah. I, I I say that to her all the time. Yeah. It goes well for me as you can imagine.
0: (laughs) You know, I, I agree with you. I think this is my like lock. I'm locking over in this one. It's an easy lock, more time to prepare always benefits the offense. And even a Georgia offense that look was like, Oh, they didn't look great you know Stetson Bennett is he the guy they're still able to put up points and that's something we've talked about this Georgia team all year. We don't think of them as an offensive team. We don't think of them as you know what we've seen from Alabama lately, but what they've done offensively in the last 5 6 years, they've really changed themselves and I think it's going to come to fruition in this game and I think it's why they win is because they'll be able to make a few of those stretch plays, a few of those big plays offensively to keep close to Alabama before like I said They're going to have a big play, a pick six, a special teams play, whatever. If you look at this team, they are the number three EPA per pass team in the country is Georgia. Don't think a lot of people would have thought about that. They're actually not a phenomenal rushing team in terms of expected points added. And I think that's because a lot of their rushing yardage comes kind of garbage time at the end of games. But how they get there is by big play passing. I, that's how I think they're going to win this game and how they're going to keep in this game towards the end is just with some big plays passing. And I think they come early in the game. I like the over in this one because I think you're going to see two good offenses. Also, if we look back at national title games in the past, they've been really high scoring games. So easy over for me at 52. I think you see something pretty easily. Um, mid-50s to 60s, and hey, we could even get overtime between these two again. Always a possibility. And you never want to be the guy betting under when it goes to overtime.
5: I'm exactly on the same sentiment as Irby. I'm, since I'm picking out in picking with this game, I think the over's got to hit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to echo exactly what Irby said. So, if you want to hear my thought process, just you can stop now because I said the same thing as Irby.
4: That actually applies to every pick this, this week. We've been uh we've been lined up on all three of these picks, haven't we, Brett?
1: Sure. I mean, I'm I'm picking Georgia and I think their best path is for the game to go under. So under. That's it. It's that easy, guys. I don't know.
0: That makes sense <laughs> to me. How I, that's how I feel about I, it. No, it's it's not flawed <laughs> logic. It makes sense. I, I think the Georgia offense is a little bit better than what we're thinking it is. I think they have more big playability, but I do think a low scoring game does favor the Bulldogs in this one. Chris?
1: I also just, uh, r- real quick though, I also think that like, Stetson Bennett's been catching a lot of crap. I just think he's a little bit better than a lot of people are giving credit for. Maybe I'm just wrong about that, but he's not that bad. Like, I I just, I don't really get it. I mean, he's not Bryce Young. I'm, no, we're not going to pretend that he is, but he's fine. I don't, I've never really understood that all year. I've, I've been hearing that. It's so, like, yeah, Stetson Bennett's just not very good. I'm like, yeah, hey, he's not bad though.
0: Number number three expected points added per pass attempt in the country. The
1: analytics love him. I mean, yeah. I, I think he's solid. So, when lost, having, to George lost Pickens,
4: having George Pickens in there is definitely helpful. Yep. Uh, for uh, yeah, the ball, that is the ball the, for your body slamming
3: people. What, what, what is the George Pickens benefit there? <laughs> choke, choke slamming, uh, defensive backs on the opposite side of the field. Um, I. Because I'm picking Georgia, I am picking the under because I do feel like the one way that they have to win this game is by actually getting pressure on Bryce Young. That's their entire game plan. That's what I feel like they left out of their kind of just, hey, we're going to do what we do based off of personnel in the SEC championship game. This time, I think they actually scheme for it and accomplish it. So I'm going under and I know that's probably the biggest Hail Mary in this game is. If I'm looking to try to make money in this game, I'm probably going to parlay with the under because I feel like Georgia and the under will actually yield some sort of value. Anything else probably won't get too much out of it unless you go into the prop bets. I'm
6: actually going to go Alabama and the under, and I think it'll be a pretty defensive game for the most part. Nothing like, you know, the national championships of old, no single digits here, but I do think it'll be a low scoring game. Um, where the Heisman Trophy winner shows why he won it and makes a few more plays than Stetson Bennett, um, so I'm basically just banking on Bryce Young making a few incredible throws like he did in the Iron Bowl and leading the team back in a low-scoring game for the win.
0: Yeah, and you know, just to one more EPA look at this game and just how college football has changed, even down south, Georgia. We said it a couple times. Number three EPA pass offense in the country, Alabama, number five. The Georgia offense, number 79 in EPA per rush. The Alabama offense, sixty-sixth. These are two teams that pass the ball a whole lot better than they run the ball. And I think five years ago, that would have sounded like, you know, straight blasphemy to college football. If you would have said that Georgia and Alabama were passing football teams, but here we are. That's where college football is in 2021. And it should be a great game. I'm really excited to watch it. Um, I will be sitting next to a Georgia alum watching the game. So I'm very excited uh, for that one. So our last picks of the year, Brett, you need three more picks. And, you know, it wouldn't be, we've talked about football enough. Uh, Brett, you've been very busy with work in the holiday season. Would you like to share with people what you do for a living real quick so we can add some context to this?
5: I'll, I'll give a little plug up. My family owns Whitley's Peanut Factory. We've been running for uh, 36 years now, 2022, uh, based out of Gloucester, Virginia. So obviously, a lot of people give peanuts for gifts during Christmas. So working 21 days straight during Christmas didn't give me a lot of time to be a total degenerate. I actually had to do some real work. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I did all Christmas. That's why I was popping in and out. And if you didn't hear from me for a while, that's probably why. But don't worry. Good things are coming for college basketball season.
0: Absolutely. We will release some stuff. There's a lot of awesome things that are going to happen here in 2022. We're going to be covering some different sports. We're going to be covering some things in a little bit different ways. We're really excited for it. But let's talk peanuts, right? Today, I was actually in Suffolk, Virginia, visiting my parents, one of the peanut capitals of the world. So I have three peanut trivia questions for you. And we're going to see if you get them right. And they will count towards your win loss total. And keep in mind, people out there, The prize for winning the locks of Saturday season is not a t-shirt. It's not a gift card. It is our very own owner and operator, Billy Ray Mitchell buying us a drink in downtown Blacksburg. He still owes Chris a drink. Uh, We'll be sure to get that to him soon. So Brett, a lot of money riding on this pick trivia question. Number one, two U S presidents have been peanut farmers. Who were they? Hint, one is from Virginia and one is from Georgia.
5: Um, Jimmy Carter's one. Correct. And the other one, one is from Virginia. Is it... Uh, so a it lot of presidents after. from Virginia. Yeah, it had to be after Carver, so that, that eliminates a good portion of them. Um, I didn't know... The, I really didn't know the second one. I got to think, you got to give me like... Give me 30 seconds here. So I know Jimmy Carter's one. He's from Georgia, though, I believe. Georgia.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, I think we get copyrighted if I put that in here. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah,
4: no, I, I only did the first two seconds, so we're good. We're good. <laughs>
5: um, Should we just ask him how many presidents are from Virginia? But that be a no, I, question. Yeah, I'm not gonna say because it's not. I was. It's not Tom Jefferson or any of those. It was, it was a lot
3: of the Harvard. very initial ones. Let's go with yeah.
5: that. Yeah, but that's before Carver. That's George Washington Carver. That's why I'm eliminating a lot of them. I'm going to go with, uh, uh, I forgot, is it James Taylor? Is it Taylor? President Taylor? You're going to go with Taylor?
0: It? Yeah. That is incorrect. The answer is good old Thomas Jefferson. It is TJ. Yes. Yes. Part of his plantation was yeah. um, peanuts. Yes. Awesome. So, oh for 1. Ooh, close. Well, we'll give...
5: I, I even said, I bet it's not
3: TJ. Cause I thought that was before. Uh, yeah. So close. Well, I you, believe you wanted to say Tyler there as well. I think James yeah. Taylor wrote country roads yeah. or, uh, no, so. no,
4: that's John Denver. No, John Denver, James sorry. Taylor
3: wrote a Carolina. Carolina. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yes. Sorry about Tyler. That. That's what I'm thinking. Wrong folk singer. My bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um, okay. Nailed Jimmy Carter though. Nailed Jimmy Carter. That was impressive. Nailed Jimmy Carter. Uh, okay. Question number two. There are four types of peanuts. Can you name them?
5: Uh, yeah. Runner, Virginia, Valencia, Spanish. That's phenomenal. Well done. That's
3: well more done. impressive than the president one. That should just get you all three points right there. All right.
0: So the next one will take some critical thinking, some math skills, some kind of spatial awareness. Right? So Americans love peanut butter and jellies, and we eat a lot of them. How many peanut butter and jellies, normal sized peanut butter and jellies, can be made from one acre of peanut planting? Now, here's a hint: it takes about 540 peanuts to make a 12 ounce jar of peanut butter. I will give you a range of plus or minus 5,000.
5: Oh, like I like I have like if I get it within 5,000, yeah. How many peanuts is that? What you said.
0: Um, how many peanut butter and jellies can uh, be made from one acre of peanut planting?
5: Eleven thousand seven hundred twelve.
0: Ah, oh, no, you're way low. The answer oh. is about thirty-five thousand oh, peanut butter well. and jellies can be made from one acre of peanut planting. I was actually kind of surprised that it That's takes five hundred and forty peanuts to so make a jar let peanut just,
3: butter. Let me just say, what is the ratio of spread on the peanut butter? and jelly because that matters a lot because I'm, I'm pretty heavy handed. I'm like, if if you go if you're from the Northeast, I I give a schmear of peanut butter on there. You got to have a a heavy hand on there.
0: I would say two and a half to three tablespoons for a normal size. I feel like also
3: if it's creamy, if it's creamy peanut butter, you're using more peanuts. If it's chunky, they take up more of the space and you're using less peanuts. So what kind of peanut butter?
0: Well, let's ask Brett, Brett, are you a uh, chunky or creamy peanut butter fan?
5: um depends honestly uh i think if you're eating a cold sandwich i think it's better um like non-toasted i think creamy is better but if you have a toasted one i think the crunchy goes a long way
3: question the organic all-natural one that has that pool of oil at the top or do you like what most of us like which is that standard you know
5: Yes, Give me yeah. Jif. Um, pan All all natural ground peanut butter. If you've ever actually had it, tastes like you're licking the bottom of a grass plow. So, um,
3: I feel like you're speaking from experience, Brett.
5: Yeah. So, how many grass plows have you licked? <laughs> there's nothing real. There's nothing really special about just all natural ground peanut butter. Um, pro tip, though, if you throw a little bit of honey on it with the all natural peanut butter, like all natural honey, that's a good way to make up for it.
3: Last question: If if you had had a natural peanut allergy, as the 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 son of a peanut dynasty, what happens? Do you get like written out of the will? Are you like uh, are you like banned from the family?
5: Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. It's actually kind of a terrifying. Th- it's a, it, it's definitely something my dad thought about when I was born or any of my family, honestly. Um, hey, Brett Smith from the Peanut Baron family of Gloucester, Virginia.
3: Amazing. Go get your writings, What, were your, what uh, were your thoughts on baby
4: nut? What were your
5: thoughts on baby nut? Oh, horrible. Yeah. Okay. Planner, Mr. Planner is a fraud.
0: What, um, um, Mr. Peanut from Suffolk, Virginia, correct?
3: What? Yep. What innovative seasoning is coming out for the next wave of peanut variety? What's uh, next?
4: Uh, What's if next? If he told us he that, to he'd have to kill us. What is,
3: what, is, what is happening for us in 2022? In no, he'd have technology. to kill
5: us if he told us that. He can't tell us that. <laughs> I'm gonna create a I'm gonna create a peanut that you can eat, but also keeps you from getting the coronavirus. There you go. And then I'll make millions. There you go.
0: You heard it here First America, uh here on One American News Network. If you eat peanuts, it will keep you from getting coronavirus. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You'll also get huge gains. Yeah. And uh get real swole at the gym. All right, guys. Any final thoughts? on the college football season 2021 it's over
5: hmm. um brutal brutal virginia tech season betting season wise um i did pretty good i was up if anybody wants to share i'll share real quick i was up i think 13 units so that's pretty good um yeah i started out really hot and then i've re- then i simmered down and i was really hot before like right before the busy season started and then I stopped. So I could have easily fallen off with the bowl games that I missed out on and all the other games, the championships, I could have easily done it. But I think, I don't think there may have been like 11. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look, but.
3: I mean, the, the season, I mean, if, if we went back to our original podcast, Alabama, Georgia was pretty much one of the top foregone conclusions for the final inevitable national championship. I think there was some talk about some dark horses and whatnot, but I think we all agreed that these were going to be probably the one, two teams in the equation. Uh, so I think the biggest thing for me was probably more of the noise of the coaching carousel of the unforeseen blue bloods, all basically shuffling coaches at the end of the year. And now that impacts 2022. So I'm actually more excited about what 2022 looks like. More so than I am reflecting back on 2021, solely for that reason.
0: And shout out to this podcast, Cincinnati Plus 2700.
5: Yeah, I was I mean, about to say, Cincinnati, we thank you. Let's go. <laughs> that was rolling in that money. Oh, that, was one, that was one of the greatest cash outs I've ever seen from a group of people. That oh, was, that was phenomenal. Oh, God, we were rooting that home since
1: like
6: mid September. Oh. I'm more excited about Cincinnati's run to the playoff so that we can stop talking about it. Every year, when there's a team that doesn't belong there, going undefeated, can we finally close that like chapter, better, college football fans? Be like
4: that's all I'm gonna yeah, say. Yeah, because we'd hate to have uh, more teams like Michigan in the playoff that just don't belong. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what you and beating off them. No, yeah. We're
0: probably gonna have this offseason podcast we at some point. A nice like future college in football, there anyway. but. <laughs> I mean, I think it was really exciting to see what Cincinnati was able to do. And I think they'll continue to be a good team when they get to the Big 12. But there's a lot of, I I think this year we might look back as kind of the tipping point for the move to college football, to a larger playoff or to changes in the bowl structure and things like that. Because it did seem that, you know, things kind of reached a peak this year in terms of chaos and just utter disdain for the current system. So we might look at 2021 as that tipping point year for some change in college football. All right. Yeah, that'll be a podcast we'll have. We'll put that on the docket for this spring. All right. Well, uh, as you knew, also we had a bowl mania competition. A lot of people entered, which was awesome. I think we had like 70 something entries at the end of the day. The winner of that will get a prize. Uh, Robert,
4: who is winning so far, standing alone in first place, standing at five foot nine, two hundred ten pounds from Radford, Virginia, Jeffrey Lee Irby, aka my dad, <laughs> and a cool. well done, Dad,
0: twenty seven and ten straight up in a crazy bull season. Now there are some people sitting at twenty six and ten, so. He does need to get the, na- the national title right to have that outright win. Who does he have winning the national title game? Um, I'm not going to disclose that information in
4: case his enemies want to use that against him.
0: That's very smart. Very smart. Well, the winner of that will get a prize probably from the sunsaturday.com store, which, if you want something from the sunsaturday.com store, get on up there to the website. Uh, store is always open. Have some great stuff in there as well.
4: Herb
3: Dad, here's
4: Herb. here. Oh, go
3: ahead, Chris. Go oh. ahead. Herb's Enemies is now my new fantasy football name for my in 2022, <laughs> so thank you very much. You heard it here first, folks. So yeah. Well, no
4: matter what, he gets the prize of the unconditional love of his firstborn son. So, Aww. congrats, He'd probably Jeff. really like a t-shirt, though. He probably would. He's a big t-shirt guy, especially <laughs> now that he's retired. Literally, all he does is wear t-shirts, so... Hey, Well, like we said,
0: it'll be a big 2022 for us. It'll be a big 2022 for Sons of Saturday as a whole. If you have anything that you would like us to cover, any ideas for us, please hit us up at Locks of Saturday on Twitter. You can also hit up the main Sons of Saturday account at Sons of Sat VT. Guys, thank you so much for listening all year long, all the interaction. The growth has been amazing, and that has allowed us to do some really exciting things here in 2022. So we thank you really from the bottom of our hearts. This is a blast. I look forward to it every single week in the fall, and hopefully look forward to it in the winter, spring, and summer as well. Signing off for 2022, I'm Sam Jesse here with Chris, Brett, Robert, Mike, and Ed. We're the crew of Locks of Saturday. Thanks, everyone. Have
4: a happy new year. Go Hokies.
2: Light. just take over we get under every warning they ignite Right Isabella I'm thinking it through everything I gotta do burdens on the blurry lines that they drew to make it right